Welcome to the next episode of Talent Ed. Today I'm joined by Tom Portingale. Tom is an expert in employer brand strategy and marketing recruitment. This guy really understands the importance of content creation as part of the employer brand strategy. And in this podcast has given a huge amount of insights as to how he has deployed the employer brand strategy for Nationwide. Tom started his career in journalism before moving into press and media relations. He joined Nationwide over five years ago before making the switch to recruitment advertising. He now leads the employer branding for the UK's largest building society, a business that receives in excess of 90,000 applications per year. Before we get started, I'd just like to remind you that Talent Ed is available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify and SoundCloud. Please leave a rating, drop us a comment and subscribe on your favourite podcast provider. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tom. Hey Tom, how are you doing? Leo, good to, good to be with you. Thank you very much. So um, to give you a bit of an overview, what what... What we're trying to do with these podcasts, right, is to do a bit of an investigatory piece um, to establish since COVID-19 where the power of recruitment lies. Um, It's no surprise that up until January, February 2020, um, brands had to work extremely hard to um, seek out and find and attract you know, the, the best talent to, to work for their business because unemployment was at such a low, low rate. Fast forward, you know, 12, 21 weeks and the world has been flipped upside down. And what I'm looking to do, I've got a very firm view, but I want to speak to professionals in the industry to either confirm my view or challenge my view that now is not the time to cease employer branding and content to attract talent to your business. In fact, now is the time to double down. And the second part to this uh, podcast is really for me to use my network and friends to help um, up and coming employer brand executives who might work in smaller brands and, and help them and share ways in which brands like Nationwide might be um, doing uh, employer brand content and attracting talent to their business. So that's the kind of context of what I want to talk about today, if that's cool you. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, It's thought provoking stuff. It's very subjective stuff as well, Leo. There isn't a right or wrong, but I definitely think that there's some some key strategies that if you can implement almost pre, during and post COVID um, from an employer brand perspective, you should be you should be on solid ground. How long have you been in the role at, at Nationwide now? Yeah, I, I mean, do you want me to give you a little background? Yeah, Just give me, yeah. yeah, so um, I've been running employer brand marketing at Nationwide for just over two and a half years. Um, most of your listeners will be quite familiar with, with Nationwide. There, there'll be those that won't. So I, I guess just as, as, a, as a quick intro, um, so Nationwide uh, is a building society. Um, it was formed uh, over 130 years ago simply as a way of bringing ordinary working people together so that they could help save for their futures and buy a home of their own. Um, And the interesting thing, Leo, is that social purpose is exactly the same how we work today as we did over 100 years ago. Uh, As I said, we are a building society. We're not a bank, so we we don't pay shareholders. 
Uh, instead, what we try to do is reinvest profits um, to make sure that we're doing what's best for our 15 million customers or members, as we call them. So um, I've been with Nationwide for uh, just over five years now. Uh, I actually started uh, with Nationwide um, in, uh, in the PR brand consumer marketing space and then transitioned into employer brand marketing, as I said, about two and a half years ago. In those five years, how, um, and especially in the last five months, um, what has been your observation as to um, how uh, brands uh, like Nationwide have had to use their brand, employer brand, use social media? Because in the last five years, it has become more and more of a used tool uh, to attract talent. How have you seen, almost starting the timeline from five years ago to the most dramatic change that you've seen in the last five months, how have you seen that, that transition into social and branding? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, I think if I had to break it down, first of all, the foundation of all of this has to be underpinned by something that's sincere and real. So the values, the purpose for Nationwide, as I said, they haven't deviated in over 100 years. And if anything, they're, they're probably more meaningful now than they ever have been. So remaining true to the values and to the purpose, I think have given us a really good grounding in which to not only talk to consumers, but to talk to candidates about. We're not deviating, we're not profiteering. And when I think about um, what we've been saying in the last five months compared to what we've been saying, say, two, three, four, five years ago, actually, there's quite a lot of similarities, Leo. Uh, it's for us... Um, you know, the, the notion of nationwide is, is ingrained in the power of the collective. Uh, it's about spirit of community. Um, it's about being stronger together than you are as an individual. All of those, all of those emotional pulls are exactly what people are looking for during COVID or during yeah. Black Lives Matter. So I, I, I certainly don't think that um, our approach has deviated. In fact, I would say that it's probably been accentuated um, in the last five months. And, um, and so, so what, what channels do you use to, to you know, distribute content? And I know you guys uh, also work with media as well, don't you? We, we do. And, um, and I think that, you know, as I said, with, with my old PR hat on as well, that, that helps because... Uh, when you're talking about content distribution, one of the, the issues that most resourcing TA or EB people will tell you is I'm time poor. I have a small team. Um, I might not be a marketeer by trade. I might be from an HR background. So, you know, it can be quite intimidating thinking about content, let alone content distribution. So what I'd probably say is, you know, do some basics first. So if you do have, um, you know, an internal comms team, if you do have a media relations team, if you have a marketing team, consumer marketing team in the business, even a public policy team, talk to them. There's lots of content that they'll already have that you'll be able to repurpose, repackage, obviously, for a candidate audience. And then on top of that, what are the channels that they can help to, you know, for, for you to spread your message um, out to? So... There's some traditional ones uh, that we use, like most employer brand teams will use. Obviously, the epicenter being your career site. Um, and then, you know, funneling from that, uh, we have our own uh, Facebook and Twitter channel, um, which is separate to our consumer brand who have their own uh, customer Twitter and Facebook. 
Um, we uh, we we share our, our LinkedIn um, nationwide page, so that's a, a, a nice mix of consumer and candidate information. And then on top of that, I think it depends on you know those are quite standard social channels and content channels, but you know who's your audience group? So if it's a specialist audience, um, early careers. For example, you might want to engage through Snapchat or TikTok because everyone seems to be now. If it's a highly specialist area like audit or risk and compliance, then you might want to work with your media team, for example, to infiltrate and get coverage in the Chartered Institute of Auditors publication and through their website. So there's lots of different channels that we use that we nuance depending on who the who the, the job family is that we're looking to to communicate with. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've found that. I think one, so so uh, I'm may, maybe fairly similar to yourself. I've come in through, through marketing and advertising. I've, I've openly admit that I'm not an HR person. I've never worked in HR. But I think that, um, I think one of the key things to, for to us to remain grounded and remember is you're you're advertising to human beings you know you're asking them to buy something from you whether you're marketing as a consumer or you're marketing as a to a candidate these people are humans right and if you don't if you don't show them what it's like i give them a window into what they're going to be buying into um they they don't know what they're going to buy into so i did a post today and there's a really great um um piece on uh from raconteur somewhere around here anyway, uh, about how, how the whole working from home um, um, piece has had to, um, through COVID, with so many people working from home, if your employer branding isn't online, well, they're not gonna be visiting your offices to come and see what it's like working there, are they? So, and also most of your staff are now gonna be working from home, so that no one's gonna be able to get a taste of what it's like being there because, you know, um, everyone's working from home. So content is the best way to, to, to share what it's like like to, to work there so if you're not if you've not got an anchor i.e your career site and you're not distributing content to bring people in you're not giving people that window and i actually said on my post which was you know you will get a tsunami of applicants right and you will save loads of money on recruitment because you won't need to use recruitment companies but you may as well put a revolving door in your front front reception because they're going to come in and going to go, go out because because they don't know what they're buying into because they haven't got enough of a flavor of it because you're not serving up content to, to let them understand what it's like and what you believe in, what your values are, um, they're going to apply because they need a job. They're going to come in, they're not going to like it, they're going to leave for the next job. I, I think that's that's a great shout. And I, I think in particular, uh, what we're seeing now because of COVID and because of what the employment market looks like, um, I think for lots of organisations, it's not a case of just pushing any content because otherwise, you know, I mean, for me, the objective isn't to attract large and unimaginable levels of responses, um, given that there likely, you know, there, there will likely be a, an increase in, in unemployment um, as, as, as we ride the COVID uh, pandemic. So it's also what is the content you're serving up? What's the content that you're delivering to not only people who unfortunately have lost their job because of the pandemic, but also those candidates, those passive candidates who potentially might have been looking for something different before um, or being open minded to look at something different before the pandemic, but who are probably thinking, actually, you know, better the devil, you know, um, I'll stay where I am. So the messaging 
obviously needs to cut through to also appeal to those great candidates um, who, you know, I, I guess you want to attract, but who don't necessarily want to move businesses at the moment. Yeah. So I, I think the con- for me, it's content distribution is really important. Absolutely. Um, because those channels are your mouthpieces. But the con- not, not only the content marketing, I'm going to take it a step further here. It's, it's also um, the content design that's really important yeah. at the moment. And there is a nuanced difference between content marketing and content design. And I think we fall down the trap a bit in employer brand marketing of often serving up content marketing. So essentially, it's quite based around the sell. Um, and as, as, as you know from your consumer marketing background there, um, you've got to earn the right to, to, to do the sell. And I think yeah. if you reverse engineer it and think about what are the drivers, what are the levers that people are looking for at the minute, whether they're unemployed uh, because of COVID or whether they're um, passive job seekers in a role, um, uh, you know, who might not want to move what think of it from a design thinking point of view what are what are the drivers that they're looking for and then design your content accordingly and hopefully if you do that you'll find that you don't jump straight into the cell but actually you take these people on a bit of a journey with you and if you use content correctly that's how it should be utilized in my my opinion i I think that's absolutely right and one of the things i've always always said is that um you know um recruitment agencies talk about databases uh, and again when I was the you know global COO of Oliver I was constantly uh, bombarded by recruitment companies that said we've got a 1.4 million database we've got an 800,000 database that we can get leverage access to but they're just names and uh, and numbers and they don't really know um, what is going on with these individuals. I'm into building, what chapter two is all about is about building engaged audiences, which is, you know, talks to what you were just saying. But if you build an audience for your employer brand and engage people by serving up, engaging design, content, reading literature, videos, stuff that people want to digest, because the content world is so fast now, right? That spots, that thumb is relentless. You know, just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls. I heard like a weird fact. I think in, in in like one day or one week, we scroll the height of Big Ben on Facebook alone or something crazy. But it just shows you how busy this world is, right? And if you're not certain content that engages people, like you said, and, and creates that audience, and that following, they're just going to scroll. It's just noise. It's just noise. Um, and, and and then I want I want to take you back to a really valid point that you were you were saying earlier, which is that alignment to marketing strategies because you know um, I believe that people teams and marketing teams can learn a lot from each other um, you you said it earlier whereby the marketing teams have already got a lot of the tools the distribution channels the buying power already with some of the other media players in the marketplace and also the know-how and the hacks of how to, to disrupt that content spam filter that we built in our heads you know, just to span through stuff. These guys are intelligent. So actually, yeah, I might be doing myself out of a job here, but actually go speak to your market. I'd say go speak to your marketing team first, get all the advice you can from them, and then we'll have a conversation about how we can then amplify your employer branding content. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a really important point. And, uh, you know, since I've come into the EBM space, I've always said that, you know, you need to work in harmony and not in conflict with those other yeah. Uh, Marcom's teams 
because not only will they help, as you said, amplify your distribution channels, your content uh, that you can serve up, um, but also, um, you know, let's not forget your employer brand is an extension of your consumer brand. So it needs to, um, you know, and when I think about COVID, what an amazing time for employer brand marketing to be seen within a business as almost as the brand custodian. It is it is propping up brand reputations for lots of organizations. So whilst consumer brands might not be pushing product or proposition marketing at the minute, what an opportunity to talk from a people marketing perspective. Yeah. So I, I absolutely agree that, um, you know, you've got to work in harmony and not in conflict. Um, but also, as I said, it's also having that patience and this is one level of criticism that I still have with EBM is that it, it's still very tempting to go straight for the sell and not for the influence. So when you said about content um, and your approach at C2, absolutely. It's about fostering, nurturing audiences. And I would go f- even further and say those audiences are your community. And if if you look at how um, people like Gymshark have acted over the crisis in terms of how they've engaged their community, um, not just through the pandemic, through the sweat for NHS selfies, where they, you know, I think they gave over £100,000 to the NHS, um, and it was that sense of belonging. But then when we moved into Black Lives Matter, there was that wonderful examples of how uh, there were people who were cleaning up um, after the protests in Minneapolis, and these were black people with Gymshark t-shirts, and they found out who these people were and refunded them every Gymshark product they've ever ever purchased. And the reason for that was because they said, these are the people that we want in our community. These are the people that we want to engage with, that we want to talk to, that we want to tell our message to because they live and breathe our values and purpose. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I think, um, you know, we should never lose sight of that because it's very easy to go straight to the cell. But what a, it takes time to build audiences and it takes time to build communities. Yeah. And do you know what? That's actually a bit of a revelation you've just tapped into there, which is, you know, how, how the employer brand can then sit up with and shoulder to shoulder with, with the, the consumer brand. Because you're, you're right. A lot of people are looking at companies today and they say, how have you looked after your staff uh, through this period? You know, have you stuck them straight on furlough while you rake billions of pounds in and you're taking money from the government? Or have you kept them on, on board? Have you looked after them? Have you looked after their mental health and all these sorts of things that go with it? And I think the ones that have looked after their uh, staff uh, have, as you say, given back to the community and their consumers as well through this you know, crisis. They're the ones that are going to you know, have not only are they going to have loads and loads of opportunity to share this through content, which costs nothing, you know, and they, they, they're going to have a, a, a much, uh, the, the, the employer brand is going to excel from a consumer point of view as well and hopefully then excel their, their, their consumer sales, I guess. Absolutely, because when we come out of this side of, and I'm saying crises, because that feels multiple at the minute, Yeah. whether you're a consumer or candidate, companies are going to be judged by what was your reaction? What did you do? And what was your response? So um, you can't um, manufacture. And what you've seen is lots of brands, um, you know, almost be quite tokenistic through COVID, through uh, Black Lives Matter. And I've always said, 
uh, Leo, that a content strategy will get you so far, but it's never a true substitute for definitive action. Yeah. Okay. And that's really, really important. So for, you know, Nationwide's case, um, you know, we went really early with saying um, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, that um, we wouldn't be making any compulsory redundancies this year. Uh, that our CEO was the first um, major um, bank building society CEO to take a, a pay cut, a voluntary pay cut, um, to, to reflect the you know uh, what was going on. Um, we uh, introduced uh, some health and well-being support for our staff. Uh, so Unmind, which is quite a well-known app, we we gave free access to. We um, created something in-house called Kinder, which was for members of staff who have had to self-isolate. Um, they could say, look, you know, I need a, a prescription picking up. And if there was a member of staff who lived within a few miles of their home, they could tap in and see who was available. Um, and so other nationwideers could come and support them. So, um, and then uh, volunteering time. So Nationwide offers uh, two days paid volunteering a year. They up that to five days for COVID-related um, volunteering. So, you know, these weren't token gestures. These were genuine um, things that we were doing to support our staff. And then on a customer, on a member level, um, we implemented payment holidays straight away. Uh, so anyone feeling the pressure of, you know, not being able to pay for their mortgage, um, given some assurances around that your house won't be repossessed for this period. Um, and lots of other um, support that if financially you felt the burden of this, that if you had a, pro a mortgage product with Nationwide, um, you know, that we'd we take the stress away from that. So on a consumer and a candidate level, we were doing things which didn't feel tokenistic, but to us felt like definitive action. Yeah, that's amazing. That is brilliant. And like you say, that's where the employer brand goes shoulder to shoulder with the consumer brand. Um, I want to talk about like, that actually is let's let's uh, sort of double down on that a bit because when it comes to the job that i do uh when chapter two goes into uh brands and businesses to talk about employer branding and, and creating that sort of um talent funnel if you like um you mentioned earlier about um the authenticity of of the content you create and i, I do you know what i there's nothing harder for me and uh than sort of saying no to work but actually if I go into a business and they do not preach what they want me to, will practice what they want me to preach effectively, um, it's a very thin veneer of content that I would probably refuse to take on because I, I, I cannot um, uh, work with a company and promote that it's got a DNI strategy because it says DNI is, is important at the moment when they don't, or they've only just started it and not really committed to it but they want to start talking about it because now's the time. But at the same time as talking about it, they've just started it. You know, I, I, I can't work with companies that have got that very thin veneer to, to, to want to preach about something they don't practice. And, and the, the biggest thing that, that, that we try and do when we go into those businesses is it's only ever any good. The content that you create, going back to the design and the creative and the engagement, is only any good if it's driven by authentic stories from inside that business, right? And I get giddily excited when I go into a business that like really loves its people, really does all the stuff that you talk to uh, at, at Nationwide, 
you know, because it makes my life really easy. Because actually, you've just got to dramatize it. You know, you just got to take these stories. The stuff that you've just talked about would have been you and me in a room, and I'd be like writing all over the post-it notes, like going, okay, we could dramatize that, blow that up, dramatize that, blow that up, dramatize that, blow that up. And then you get the creative guys in. That, that's what I find really exciting um, about a company that really does believe in that um, authentic authenticity of, of content because all we do is we amplify. We just turn the noise up. That's all we really do. And we, we distribute things in the right place. You can't turn the noise up if if the music's crap or if there's no music at all. Yeah, and, and this this isn't a revelation at all to, to the listeners that... Um, you know your employee advocacy is is a really important um, is a really important delivery for for any content strategy. You know I'd like to think that stuff that's put out through the nationwide career site is taken as brand gospel. It's probably noted, but if it's served up in that first person narrative, if it's served up from the person in the team, from the hiring manager, uh, or from the team member who's you know eat, breathing, sleeping the work that they're doing in the environment they're doing it within. Um, that to me is far more of an advocacy tool than than the corporate machine. You know, be it through press releases, be it through um, you know uh, traditional um, corporate employer brand channels. So I, I think, yeah, harnessing the power of, of your people uh, that's that's not a revolu- uh, revelation. Everyone knows that, um, but I do think that. You know, we're talking about sincerity and we're talking about a process, a period of time at the minute where I think that it's okay if you're still on the start of a journey with this. We're lucky in a nationwide instance that, yes, we were able to take definitive action very quickly. Nationwide is a huge organization. What if you're, I don't know, an SME, um, you might be an organization that isn't a high street name, that isn't a big brand name. This is an intimidating process and period of time. So um, it's okay to communicate that you're on a journey. As long as you act with honesty and communicate with honesty and you show that humanity and you show that humility and you bring that to life through your content, I think people will understand that and people will get that um, and people will give you, um, give you, you know, almost license to tell that story but just remember, at the end of it, you will be held to account. So if you are saying we're on a journey, you start here, but people are going to expect you to get to somewhere. And you will be asked whether it's a candidate, whether it's a, a, a customer, whether it's a journalist, whether it's a policymaker, whoever it might be, we'll ask, OK, so you spoke about um, Black Lives Matter and what you're going to do to improve gender um, uh, racial equality. Uh, you um, spoke about during COVID uh, the, the need to support staff um, you know, how did you show it? How did you how did you eat, breathe and sleep that? So I, I just think that people um, need to be minded that it's OK to be on the start of a journey. Just remember when, you know, you, you, you're going to have to serve up a roadmap that finishes with definitive actions. Absolutely. Um, I want to pivot uh, on uh, something for a second. So I want to talk about um, something that probably doesn't happen so much in the consumer marketing space, but does happen probably a fair amount um, in um, the talent advertising and recruitment space. And and you brought this to my attention. Um, When you are marketing for a brand, you're attracting people to come and either buy from you or work for you. And um, rarely ever, rarely ever do you have a customer come and buy from you that you say, no, not today, thank you. 
And when you are putting out uh, an employer brand and you want people to come and work for you, you've only got a finite number of roles, right? And you might have 500 applicants for a particular role. You're going to have to say no to quite a lot of people, right? And this is something you brought, you, you told me about this when we last spoke. So I wanted to, to, to raise it here. Um, how, how do you tackle that challenge of continually creating, continuing to create that brand loyalty from that person that's taken their time to apply for a job and um, shown that they're keen to work for you, but ultimately aren't going to work for you today or for this particular role? How do you handle yeah. that relationship or scenario? Uh, it, it's, it's such an important point, Leo. So how you, how you offboard, I would argue, is just as important as how you onboard um, those candidates that are successful. Um, and in the instance of Nationwide, if we do it incorrectly, then I'm a firm believer that potentially it could have a negative connotation, a negative effect um, on, on the business commercial model. Wouldn't you? I mean, I'm just thinking just again from a design thinking point of view, if I applied for a role at Nationwide and I had a really or, or anywhere and I had a really poor experience, um, I'm OK with not get, you know, being given a no. But it's the way that you get that no, isn't it? You don't want to be ghosted. How often do you hear that in recruitment? That you apply, you spend all this time um, and then you never hear anything after that initial um, reach out. Um, so what I would say is that, uh, you know, it's human nature that um, if, if, if you're not going to be off-boarded correctly, then you might protest vote in terms of buying a product or utilising a service of that organisation in the future. And I think, again, you know, when you're talking about credibility of employer brand and tangible proof points to within your business of why your employer brand is so important, often there is an oversight in terms of um, the business will say it's all about the attraction. It's all about getting the people in. And then it's about the retention. It's about keeping them. But you don't hear very much noise around um you know, uh, what about the applicants who aren't successful? How are we saying no to them? So, yeah, I mean, no, exactly. Nationwide has over, um, you know, we're, we're circa 90 to 100,000 applications a year. That's wow. a, a, an awful lot um, of people that we're saying no to. Um, and I think, you know, again, it, it, it comes back to that reverse engineering. Think of it from a candidate perspective. Think of it from a consumer perspective. Um it's it's also an opportunity, you know, again, this won't be a revelation in the EB space. Lots of people are talking about Illumini networks. Um, I, I still haven't seen some amazing examples. I've heard lots of people talk about it, but I think there's definitely something in that where, um, you know, if you take technologists, technologists typically will stay on average 18 months to 24 months in an organization. They might come and be part of our technology suite nationwide, love it but move on because it's evolutionary for them. But guess what? They might circle back around again in yeah. two, three years time. Um, so how we say goodbye to those people is as important as how we say hello. I want to uh, circle back to a bit about, a bit about COVID and um, more, but more uh, landing on the difference uh, in um, marketing content for employee branding today versus a while ago. So I'm going to ask you like a question. So when, Think back to when you were probably, let's say, in year one or even month one, first hundred days when you came into the employee branding job at, at Nationwide. Okay, um, 
with the tools that you had uh, and the marketing expertise that you already had as well, what did your content strategy look like in your first 100 days in this job? And if you were to start this job to next week on Monday, how would it look different? When I came into the role, what was being served up was very reactive and transactional. And it led, I've mentioned previously about um, the sell. Um, it was all about the sell. It was all about the benefits. Um, and it was only served up when there was a need within the, um, the demand plans of the business. So if a part of the business said that we needed X amount of whoever, um, guess what? The EB machine would be, would be rolled out. Um, and it completely smacked in the face of what I've always said, which is um, if you're looking to build a genuine audience and a loyal community, you need to be engaging with them. And 90% of that engagement will not be anything to do with the sell about the role or a role or getting them to apply for a role. It's yeah. getting them to buy into the culture, um, the, okay. the values, the purpose of the organization. I mean, again, little analogy. If uh, I'm just thinking back to my PR days when I when I when I came in to the EB space, I would never have dreamt of picking up the phone to a journalist after sending them a press release and going, "John, did you get my press release?" And him on the end of the phone saying, "Sorry, who's this? Tom Nationwide? Well, yeah, I've just sent you a press release on X, Y, and Z." And then the journalist turns around and goes. Well, do you know even what I write about? You know, because I don't really cover that bit that you've that you've sent information on. So, um, and also, you know, I don't know you from Adam. So, why am I going to you know publish something? Um, you know, we, we need to build up a relationship first. Yeah. Um, and then you know, no different in the consumer space where, uh, when you're coming up with brand campaigns and you think you know you you've got to drive the emotional need first, um, and and create that you know, almost with a consumer, um, the the idea of, you know, them picturing themselves using this product or utilizing this service. So why then would it again be any different when you're talking to people through people marketing? So when I came into the space, that was what it was. It was tactical. It was reactive. It was all about the sell, the branding for a pill. So within, I'd say a hundred days, it was less than that because I'll, I'll be honest, I've I ripped it up and I, I threw it out um, within about, I'd probably say three, four weeks. Um, there was a bit of a vacuum because good content takes time to serve up. So, um, you know, almost meant then going back out to the business areas and finding out what were those innovations that these teams were genuinely doing that was trend setting. Who were the people within their areas that were shining lights, rising stars, um, who could tell a story to their peer group that would be really captivating. That stuff takes time. But if you can do that, um, you're also building up great credibility amongst the business of, oh, employer brand marketing. This isn't just, we, we don't just have a consumer brand team. Um, and then we flipped it on, our, on its head. So we were serving up proactive content through an always on um, approach that wasn't necessarily always talking to the, you know, a sell of a role, but it was talking about the work that the teams are doing, what the people were doing within them. And it was all underpinned around the values, the heritage, the purpose of, of what Nationwide was about. And that was the approach. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. And I think, 
that you land on something that's important as well because you know the the, the content that, that's pushed out um doesn't always have to be um the most glitzy and glamorous uh expensive uh drone film shots as we you know you are joked before um you know um the, the the main thing about content is that as you say it's always on um, and and it's engaging and authentic and it's got a deeper uh, level of of meaning to it and um you know what i say to a lot of people is that you know you again going back to the whole marketing team scenario your marketing team have probably got a huge amount of assets that they've already purchased through their marketing content that's you know brand compliant that that is properly professionally shot or filmed or um that can very easily be adapted or redesigned at a much lower cost than um than going and getting a fresh piece of creative done every single time and then the, the, the chief marketing officer and brand team is going to be a lot more comfortable because you know it's on brand using the assets and you're just sweating that asset a lot harder um, as well. So um, no, that's a really valid point. Um, so final area to touch on um, is around the alignment of employer branding, creative content activity and teams, and then the talent and recruitment engine of the business. So, you know, you, you, you process, you said like 90,000 90, candidates a, a year. It's a huge amount. Obviously, that is a huge volume of um, uh, people to, to, to review, meet, hire, onboard, offboard. Um, what's the process uh, that you guys run to that, you know, when, when you get this, you know, candidate in, how is it passed through the... Is, is it is there two separate teams? Is it one team? How do you go through to the talent team for recruitment? It's a it's a it's a really good delving question, and I think um, I'll start answering it by the simple fact that thankfully employer brand marketing sits within the resourcing function at Nationwide. Many organisations, if they are playing in the EB space, um, will try and have the employer brand team sit in the consumer brand marketing team. And I get the reason, the rationale for that, but on a, but then when it comes to you know processing applicants stuff like that, you need to be working really closely with your delivery team to to on a day to day level, but also on a candidate experience level to to making sure that everything's running smoothly. So we're very fortunate that we've got. Um, you know, we've got a stellar in-house uh, resourcing team who we work with up front um, in situ with the hiring managers around the business who who have the recruitment need. And then hopefully what we're doing, um, you know, it comes back to, again, it's the same mindset from a from a B2C marketing space. So you do your, your market mapping, you do your audience segments and you do your persona work. Um, and then once you've got that research and then you say, right, so what we're going to do is launch a campaign. This is the audience base. These are the channels we're executing. This is what we're likely to generate uh, in terms of forecasting. And then by that way, uh, you're managing the expectations of your delivery team um, as to, um, you know, the funnel of applicants and also the type yeah. of applicants. Um, and I think that's really important as well. So, Leo, I said 90,000 applications a year. Yes. Um, what we're trying to get better at is it's okay 
um, not to like what we're saying. And in fact, that's absolutely fine. And when I think about our consumer brand marketing campaigns, it's the, the, it's the poetry adverts that many people would have seen. Um, and it does have a Marmite effect. Some people love them, some people hate them. Um, and, it's, and I think f- from our point of view, from an EB perspective, um, don't try and be all things to all people to a massive audience base. So make sure you do your audience work, make sure you do your market mapping, make sure your campaign messages reflect the exact type of applicant that you want to, to have apply. And then that way, what hopefully you'll, you'll get the quantity, but you'll also get the quality as well. But you have to do it um, in situ with, with your delivery team. So if you are an EB function, it doesn't sit within resourcing, um, then you know, that might be something that you can't directly change uh, at this moment in time, but you need to work, as I said, really closely with your recruitment managers, with your recruitment consultants. If it's an RPO that you're working with, working um, with their delivery teams. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just like um, a marketing team working with the sales department, sales team, right? It's, you know, the sales channel. So it's the same thing, you know. You know, the marketing will push stuff out and um, the sales team will go and close and, and, and go and, uh, you know, get the acquisitions. But... Um, you know that you need that feedback loop from your talent advisory team that sa- says, "Well, that content that you've been publishing has been bringing these types of candidates, and that's is or isn't in line with our strategy." You know, the people we're looking for. Um, brilliant. All right, thank you. Um, I guess final final question for me, which is in line with this podcast, is we started talking about where the power sits with the uh, with the candidate or with the uh, em- employer. Um, Post COVID, where do you think it sits? Where do I think it sits? I think that's, uh, it might be a bit of a straight back answer. I think it depends on um, the organization you work for and the sector that you're working in. Um, but I do think on a general level, uh, it's it, it the dynamics haven't changed. And I think you'll see that. I think you'll find that um, just because there's more, uh, uh, more people um, in the marketplace looking for roles, doesn't change the business need to find the right candidate. And it comes back to, it's ensuring that quality over quantity. So I I know that's probably a really safe answer, but I I don't think it should be viewed necessarily as um, does the candidate or does the the business hold hold the power at the minute. Um, I, I think the business need to understand you know what are they looking for um and almost don't think oh it's like you know kids in a candy shop we've got a huge selection that we can pick from because guess what the things that you like before are probably the same sweets that you're going to have afterwards but i will say if if you're a candidate um just be um it's not about applying for multiple roles i get the pressure and the psyche at the minute thinking you know i need to find um, a, a job, you know, ASAP, because that's how life works to pay the bills, etc. But do take time if you can just to, you know, as you say, scratch beneath the veneer and really check out whether those values, whether the culture, whether the purpose align. Because if you do, I think what you'll get then is, um, you know, you've got a happy candidate and you've got lower attrition rates for, from a business perspective. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. There's going to be more of this to come where I'll be interviewing more industry experts in the employer branding and talent acquisition space. 
Please leave a rating and subscribe. We want to hear from you. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast and SoundCloud. Stay safe. Hope you're well. Look forward to hearing from you. Take care.